anyone who is better than the way you're functioning is better and will move your business forward, right? So we don't want mini me's. We want someone to fill the gap for the areas that we're just not happy with. Welcome to 7 to 8, our special series on 7 and 8 figure speakers. In this interview series, some of the hottest speakers in the industry who've made over seven figures in a year or less will uncover their twists and turns in their adventures, helping you to avoid the potholes and stick to the fast track. Welcome now to Center Stage, our next guest speaker. Hey there, peeps. This is Michelle Nedelak, and I am super glad that you're here with us today because today I'm my most amazing guest, Jen. Jen, thank you so much for being here with us today. Thank you so much. I'm excited. I'm excited. I love talking about business. <laughs> right. So give us yeah. a 5,000 foot view of who you are and what you love to do besides talk about business. <laughs> oh, <laughs> well, not besides well, that's that. great. Well, that's great. Well, people usually refer to me as, you know, the leading expert in building world-class teams so that entrepreneurs and business owners can get their life back. Uh, because that's why we got into it. So that's pretty much a big thing. I'm an author. I have two podcasts. I have a television show. I'm a glamour. Um, I've been married to my high school sweetheart for 39 years. Oh, and I live in beautiful Northern Virginia, which is hunt country, wine country. Just beautiful. Love it. I love it. So let's start at the beginning. How did you get into leadership as a thing? Um, like most of us do out of pure need, right? I needed to, yeah, I mean, at the time, this is about, you know, I guess 2010, 2011, something like that. Um, you know, I was in the mortgage business for 40 years and, um, I'm since out, but I was in it for 40 years and I was struggling like most of us do, you know, and, and what I, maybe what a lot of people don't know about mortgage loan officers is that, while they are W-2 income, it's 100% commission. So you really own your own business without the benefits of write-offs and all that good stuff. So you get the pain, the same painstaking, you know, how am I going to grow that type of thing? And at the time I was doing, I was closing $50 million a year in loans. And that put me in the top 1% of all loan officers. Um, but I was just miserable because I was just climbing the ladder, you know, definitely in a man's world at that time. And, you know, just climbing the ladder and trying to figure it out and saying, gosh, there's gotta be a better way to do it. There's, I want to figure out what is the right combination? What's the code. And so I created this cracking the top producer code and, um, really all I wanted to do was do 50 million, but I wanted to do it in less time. So I had to figure out a way, how do I attract clients instead of chasing them and unbeknownst to me, at the end result, certainly wasn't expecting it. I did 102 million and I did it in half the time, right? I shouldn't say half the time, three quarters of the time. And I thought, gosh, I'm onto something here. And I was able to do it the next year and the next year. And I was able to do it with other businesses that I own. And so now, you know, I've proven it. I've proven it over and over for myself and for my clients. And, um, you know, that part of that was creating a team was getting out of my own way. We just don't have infinite energy. And I can talk about all that too. But right. you know, what I realized was I need to get out of my own way and I need to create a team instead of saying, nobody can do it like me. <laughs> right? That's what a lot of business owners do. And that's why a lot of people are stuck at six figures. You know, they're making really good money, but to get to that Uber seven and eight figure, you got to have a team. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> and there were trial and error, believe me. <laughs> <laughs> so when people are starting, I know 
a lot of entrepreneurs want to have a mini me. It's like, if I could just find somebody like me, then they could do it all. And (laughs) there's no mini me. So how do you get somebody to start looking at a team? Because obviously we can't lead anybody if we're not (laughs) followed, so to speak. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. This phrase of a mini me, you definitely don't want a mini me. I think what we, we tend to do is that, you know, when we start off in business, we can handle the business. It's all about me. I think there's three different phases, but, but we, we can handle everything because the volume's not there. But as soon as we have more clients and more volume, we, we still think of ourselves as being the perfection of handling it all. Right. But now there are holes everywhere. And so while you start off and you're at hundred percent capacity over time, you actually diminish. It's a law of diminishing return, right? All of a sudden you're working at 55% capacity and 40% capacity. And now you go, you want to, you see people say, I want a mini me. <laughs> no, you don't. You don't want somebody who only works at 40%. You want someone who works at 41. Anyone who is better than the way you're functioning is better and will move your business forward, right? So we don't want mini me's. We want someone to fill the gap for the areas that we're just not happy with, right? It's the hedgehog theory of working, doing what you love, doing what you're really good at and what makes financial sense for you to be doing it. And so I get it in the beginning, we all have to do wear the multiple hats, but as we move along there, we have a higher, better use, and we can find people that do a better job at a function that we used to be good at. And um, so I think that's the first thing. And I think the second thing is that people trade time for money all the time. They will say, I mean, one of your hints of whether you need to hire someone is I just don't have enough time because we don't have infinite energy. Notice I didn't say we don't have infinite time. I believe time is limitless. So for example, if I have 10 people on my team and they're all working 40 hours a week, we are collectively working 440 hours a week. And that kind of output is being put in there. So that can be limitless. You can hire hundreds and thousands of people and it will be limitless. What you have to focus on is your person of how much your output is, and you're holding yourself back when you don't hire other people to fulfill those gaps. Love that. So would you say that it's more important that somebody hires for mission critical jobs first, administration that you want to get out and could be a lower thing, or is there some other formula that they can go by? Yeah. So, so my first book was called launch, how to take your business to new heights. Okay. And the reason it was launched is because when you think about a rocket, you know, and there's all that combustion that goes on down there, right? <laughs> combustion, <laughs> and it never goes anywhere, you know, cause you want to propel and have momentum and all these fun words. But I kept going, what is that, that thing called this combustion? And my company is called kinetic spark consulting because it's kinetic energy right? This is, and I didn't want to be an energy company, but it was kinetic energy. It's moving that, you know, the movement of mass. And then the spark is a spark plug. You need that spark to get it going, right? To take the, take the actual action. And so I think that um, when people are, and I forgot your question now, because I'm thinking, okay, why did I answer launch? And (laughs) all good questions are all good lead lead into things. So who to hire first? Yeah. So in the book, I broke the sections out to finder, minder, and grinder. 
And the find we're finders, right? We bring in, we're rainmakers. Then the minders are the people that take care of the business, make sure clients are, you know, get a wonderful experience. And then the grinder, you know, the blueprint time, the reports, the putting cards in a database, right? All of those things. And I think that the best way for someone to determine what they need is where are they spending the majority of their time right now? And if you, you know, tick off, and this is not, oh, two minutes I did this and a minute I did that, but rather task oriented, you know, how many phone calls are you spending time with clients or doing sales calls versus serving the client? And if that's trapping you in your business and not allowing you to work on your business, that becomes your first hire. If you're, if, you find that your list of grinder activities, just three columns, right? Your list of grinder activities is what is preventing you from doing sales, um, you know, or creating relationships or networking or getting exposure, then that becomes your first person to hire. So it's where do you have the biggest need at that moment, but without knowing where you are, you can't, you can't make that decision. It's just, I know I need someone. And that's the worst thing to do. Because I just like you and I'm going to hire you and I'm going to figure it out. No, that doesn't work. <laughs> doesn't no, work. it doesn't. <laughs> so that many thousands sense. of people have made that mistake. And yet, yeah, they yeah. And I call it. that finger pointing. They're like, you didn't work out. You're not working. I don't understand. And we should be thumb pointing. I wasn't prepared. I didn't have a job description. I didn't fulfill the position with the right person. I brought a person in to try to find a position doesn't work. Which leads me to the next question of when we have that person, because I know a lot of entrepreneurs are like, I just need to get this off my plate. I need to get this off this plate. And when I'm talking to them, it's like, okay, there are certain things we will take off your plate and we will take off move them off your plate because you say, I'm having an event. What do I need to do? And all of a sudden I know everything that needs to happen. Right. With that, SOP. And we know yeah. nothing. So how does somebody start with an SOP, a job description, when all they're looking to do is get stuff off their plate? Yeah, um, it, that's a really, really good question. One of the things that I really encourage my students and, and people that are in my mastermind is to record everything that they're doing. You know, a lot of times we have the system in here and, I, and this is where I was talking about the scaling. So when you're working in your business, you know, so I'll answer that question first before I go on. I could talk about a bunch, a bunch of different things. I obviously am very passionate about business. Um, but, uh, you know, I think that um, when when you're working in your business and you have all of the SOPs in your head, you can never grow. You mm -hmm. have to get them out on paper. So every activity that you're doing, when you go in to set up an invoice in Square or Thrivecart or something, something like that, you go set up an invoice, record it, create a tutorial so that it's existing for someone to come in and plug and play. Do it when you don't need it. Because when you do need it, you don't have time to do it. Does that make sense? And that's where everybody goes, I'll just do it myself. So. <laughs> I'll just do it myself. I just know I need help. I don't know. I just need help, right? So the first phase of business is the me phase, right? This is where um, everything, you're doing everything. It's all me. I get the leads. I, I take care of people. I do the grunt work. I do everything. The second phase is that first hire. But you're, what you do when you get that first hire is you're managing the methodology, 
right? The methods, the systems, you can't really manage the people, although you want to, but you keep getting sucked back in because the methodology is what you're managing. Did they do that? Did they go the next step? Did they take that chance? Um, I have to, I constantly have to babysit them, even though I have a checklist for them, right? And so people are trying to tether themselves away from the minutia, but they get suckered back in. And so this is why the in your business and on your business is just constantly back and forth. Like now I'm in it, now I'm on it, now I'm in it. So I help people go above and beyond. So in, on, above and beyond. To go above is the third phase. And that's the message. Now you're not managing people or methodology. You're now managing a message where you're sharing with your team what your vision is, what your values are for your company, your non-negotiables, right? And then your voice. This is one of the reasons why so many people want a mini me because they want someone who's going to speak like them. Are you, are you humorous? Are you, um, you know, dry? Are you dry? Do you curse? Do you type? Do you text? Do you typically do video? What do you do? So that people, the people that you're hiring now, everybody is managing the message. Everyone's managing the vision and the values. They're babysitting it and they're managing your message so that you can separate yourself from the daily routine and now be the heart of the business and go do the finding that you love so much and all the parts that you wanted to do when you became an entrepreneur. And once that's established and it grows, you just repeat it again. Go get another business, be me, methods, message. And that's how you go beyond your business. And um, so those are the strategies that that I, I love helping people with. Nice. I'm loving it. So if somebody finds that they've hired somebody and they're thinking, quote unquote, air quotes, this person is incompetent. Right. Um, <laughs> how do you deal with that? Because, you know, anybody with the team knows it's not really that they're incompetent. It's just, you know, they may not have the SOPs. They may not have the leadership. They may not yeah. have a whole lot of things. Right. It could be ability. It could be willingness. Right. I mean, there's just, there's a lot of things. I mean, that's a very loaded question because I wouldn't know without talking to a very specific person, but I would think the first thing is to step back and ask yourself, do I have someone? And I mean, this is, this is why uh, Myers-Briggs, DISC, whatever whatever you use is so important for you to understand personalities, um, to know, you know, if, uh, look, if they're an I and you're putting them into doing detailed work, they're going to just want to kill themselves, right? They're going to want to shoot themselves. So you're not going to get the result. But if you're an I and you had required, you were required to do details because you're the owner and you have pride. And for you, you're like, well, I did it. How come they can't do it? Well, they're not the I, and this is why you're giving it to them because you really don't want to <laughs> do it. You don't want to spend time doing it. I think that, um, you know, it's stepping back and saying, have I done everything I need to do? Is this an ability issue and they need more training from me? Did I give them enough training or did I do drive-by delegation, <laughs> right? <laughs> Where I just scattered them with a whole bunch of things and I didn't share with them how, how to do it. It's part of the management cycle, right? And um, did I do that? Or is this a willingness issue? And sometimes that willingness issue is stemming from a lack of ability. So, you know, look, if you're not going to teach me how to do it, then I guess I'm not going to do it. So it could be masked by ability. 
Um, and again, I think it's just, a, it's the skill set versus the mindset, you know, do they have the skills to have a great mindset? And it's up to us to do that. And it's too costly to not retain people. Right. It is. Yeah. So I would step back and say, have I done everything I can do? Maybe asking them those questions, you know, what are you frustrated with? Um, how do you think about our system? Are things working? We just tend to hire people and just expect them to be like us. Right. Great answer. So when somebody comes in and they're going, oh my God, Jan, help. <laughs> what does it look like working with you? How do you start with them and where do you take them? <laughs> well, we start back at the beginning. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I believe, you know, one of the things uh, there's five different areas that I work with, um, with uh, entrepreneurs, you know, to, that I feel they're stuck, you know, keys to rapid success, you know, and one of those areas is they don't know where they're at. I think knowing where you're at is critical um, to your practice is, are you in formulation? Are you in concentration? Are you in momentum? Are you in stability? Where are you in your practice? And where are you in different um, modalities in your practice? Maybe your practice is doing really well, but you're not doing well in social media mm -hmm. and you're back at formulation. So um, when they're like that, I'm saying, okay, let's assess where we're at um, and figure out where you want to go in each place. And then let's prioritize them so you can get some breathing room. But usually the first thing is breathe. No, really take a breath while we're coaching, <laughs> right? You know, and having them breathe. Uh, but we have to assess where we're at to know where we're going. It's just, it's too much in, you know, shooting in the dark and, so that's the first thing we do is we take a step back and say, just hold on, let's let's see where we're at. And usually, it, and I'm just intuitive this way. Usually, in the first meeting with someone, I can probably I can solve two or three problems that they're already having, just with little tweaks. And then we can work on the bigger picture of it later. Why did it happen? Let's make sure it doesn't happen again. Um, yeah, because I have people. I have a client. She <laughs> she goes, uh, you know, I'm just going to fire them all. I don't like them. I'm going to fire them. I haven't been on vacation for eight years. I'm just going to fire them all. And I said, hold on, hold on. Don't do that. And I found out that she, she literally was in an, she was in an office building. She was in an office and then she was in a room, an office in her office. She sat in the middle and all of her team sat around her against the wall. They were facing the wall. Right. So you can just imagine this. And it was the adage of wow. people were leaning back and going, Hey, Mimi, right. And answering question. And she just had this, this sort of queen thing is yes, no, I'll show you, give it to me. I'll just do it myself. And I said, move out of the office right now. You got to get out right. of there, turn all their desks around and have them figure it out. You're enabling them and not empowering them. And that is keeping you tethered to your business. So ultimately we kept everybody. We just shifted two people around into different roles. And she now, you know, is excelling. Physically. Well, yeah. Nice. I love yeah. that. And, and hugely important because I, I don't think people realize that their physical environment massively affects the, the way that their team operates. And, yeah. and that, I mean, even if it's virtually, it can be, you know, the type of media connections they have, uh -huh. all sorts of fun things. I'm loving all of this. And when it comes to kind of businesses that you're working with, is there somebody that is most prone to, 
to work with you that you absolutely love and adore working with. And you're like, yes, we can just hammer this out. And oh yeah. Fix things. Who's that? <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. And I want to be clear too, is that, you know, people that are at seven figures and want to go to eight, there's a reason they're not at eight. So I can help them too. And people that are at five and want to go to six figures, I can help them too. It's just the way that we help them and the way that we make that happen is, is very different. Um, but yeah, the, the sweet spot is someone who's making 250 to 350,000. They can't, they don't want to make more because they're, they're tapped out. There's no more. Their cup runneth over. <laughs> there never any time where they consume. It's just run, 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 right? Mm-hmm. And um, you know, they may have one or two team members, but it's just a um, it's kind of a mess because, you know, for I mean, I'm fortunate because I came from an industry that I I got really good management skills. You know, I I ended up training all the managers in the company um, afterwards. And so I got that, I got that training, but so many of us, if we're, uh, you know, a great, um, shoe salesman, then we think we can be a great shoe, say a shoe, um, store, you know, an owner of a shoe store. And we just lack the skills of working with people, you know, and I hear this a lot. Uh, people will say, well, I, I treat everybody the same. And I'm like, oh my gosh, no, you can't treat everybody the same. Everyone's at different development stages. Everyone has different commitment levels and it requires you to, um, it's called situational leadership where you have to figure out what situation am I in and how do I lead them? It's, it's either highly directive, highly supportive, one or the other, right? And, um, and I think that that's where, where so many people uh, are, geez, you know, we, we know, make our business card, make our website, wrap our car in something, right? <laughs> Go out and network, you know, all of that, but no one teach, teaches anyone how to manage and lead people. And that is, that is probably the biggest thing is there's not, there's no class for entrepreneurs. You go to any uh, chamber of commerce, you go to, to any of these um, small business incubators and stuff. And everything is about how to look at a PL, how to run your numbers, how to get the, you know, how to be legal, but no one's really talking about how to lead people. And that's why so many businesses fail. Absolutely. So what I've noticed is a lot of entrepreneurs will go, well, you know, I don't know if the business can support somebody else. Obviously, you know, I'm not making enough money to hire somebody else. Therefore, I don't know if I have that bit good of a business concept. Whereas I think it's, they really just don't understand the business like you're talking about. But talk to me about that whole conundrum. Yeah. Well, I know, again, you know, they're trading time for money and that, Mm -hmm. and I just think that that's one of the biggest issues is trading time for money. And rather than looking at how much money someone can make for them, you know, and so if you brought someone on, and I think part of this is just uh, the need for um, taking care of the time issue, like I need to breathe, right? But if you bring someone on, I'm, I'm always at the adage, why am I bringing them on? Obviously, it's a time thing. But if I bring them on, and they, um, they suck the, the life out of my business because of money, then I shouldn't be bringing them on. But if I'm bringing them on to replace 10 hours of my work where I can dedicate 10 hours of my, my time now someplace else. I'm not talking about working more. I'm talking about working differently. If I could dedicate my time 10 hours there and I'm tracking everything and I know that my results will yield, you know, more than that person's salary and hopefully three times as much of their salary or what I have them do 
brings business in or a combination of both. And I think that we need to sit down and think about that. Um, you know, I have, I had people on my team um, years ago, I had a relationship manager. I just didn't have time to call people and say, Hey, we need to meet. <laughs> right. <laughs> and so when someone say, can you meet? I'm like, yeah, tomorrow's good. And, and so I was just running around like a chicken with my head cut off and I wanted to have a systematic approach. So I hired someone to make the appointments for me. I hired someone to contact my alumni clients to find out how they're doing. Right. I had someone to contact my clients and do an annual review. I had a relationship manager to do all that grunt work of just filling out a calendar you know, and doing it in a systematic way rather than driving from, in my case, Washington, D.C. to West Virginia, all in the same day because I wasn't thinking, right? And that saved me so much time, time that I didn't have to do that um, that work or figure out, you know, how a client's doing, but we're still connecting and engaging with people. And so it allowed me to breathe when I was with people instead of not being being physically present, but not being present because I knew I had to drive all the way back or I didn't make that phone call. I told them I would call them back. So, so it allowed me to breathe. And so the depth of the relationships got so much better, these deeper, richer relationships. And that created more referrals coming in because now these people could bird dog for me, just like I would have now the time to bird dog for them. And the natural law of reciprocity, you know, comes and up we go. Thanks. I'm loving that great story. And, and you had given another one, but can you give us a Cinderella story of somebody that was kind of mayhem? Because it, it was funny when you said, where are you now in your business? And I hear so many entrepreneurs going, I'm in mayhem. That's where I'm playing. Totally I haven't now. heard that way. Yeah. I'm going, I always hear chaos, chaos. overwhelm. Yeah. Mayhem. I so love that. <laughs> in that kind of modality into kind of the peace and the breathing and creating connections, like give us that story. Cause I think it's fascinating how Oh, sometimes it's those little tweaks and sometimes it's like, Hey, I have the experience and I know exactly what you do and just come over here. Yeah. yeah. You know, and I think sometimes, um, yeah. And I do have, a, I have a couple of examples of this because, um, you know, this, this may, I call it, I call it eating soup with a fork, What's that? right? Because yeah. all day long, it's all the activities. Well, I should have this app and I should have that software and, oh, that sounds good. It's a shiny object syndrome and SOS shiny object syndrome means help, <laughs> right? <laughs> right? And so stop buying the shiny object syndrome, you know, the shiny objects. But, but I think that what's really important is making sure that, um, <laughs> I've done it again. I don't remember your question. <laughs> There's so much I want to talk about. Why am right? I like this today? And it could be me because I'm <laughs> taking you one way to the other. And I'm going, I know, oh, yeah, I fantastic. know. I just, I go I love and, it. You know, I'm loving it too. And I don't want you to edit this because that's, what's so great no. about having these conversations is like, what now am I in mayhem right now? <laughs> no, no, so, no. no. Um, I, I'm just running around with you going, oh, yeah, it's awesome. And this is awesome. So yeah, Cinderella no, stories eating, of people you know, in mayhem. It's eating soup with a fork, you know, and feeling yeah. like I have to do the activities because I see another business owner doing the activity and ah, that must be the magic bullet, right? right. So I'm going to do that activity. But what you don't realize is their activity is eating soup with a fork too, mm -hmm. right? And all of these activities are adding up to absolutely 
you know, nothing for, for businesses. And I, it's so sad. Um, so anyway, so I call it eating soup with fork. That's mayhem, my mayhem, but Mm -hmm. so there's two clients. They came to me for different reasons. And and these are quick stories. So Katie came to me and she is a loan officer. Okay. Um, but not everybody is, but she's a loan officer and she was closing nine loans a month. Well, that puts her not in the top 1%. She's just okay. Right. At at closing, but some months she was closing four. So if you had nine clients and then next month you had four, nine and four, sometimes 12, you know, she like a bobber on water, but every time she called me, she was crying. I mean, she was just so chaotic. It's just, you know, overwhelmed and just crying. Mm -hmm. And, um, what we started doing was stepping her back and saying, why are you doing all the things you're doing? And this is called, I call it priority management. We have to manage our priorities. Is it important that you're doing X, Y, and Z? Yes or no? There's a process that we use and you could do it too, four columns. What should I stop doing? What should I start doing? What do I need to improve doing or keep doing? And what should I improve on? And so we looked at that and said, gosh, you're just wasting your time all day long, the eating soup with a fork. So we took a bunch of things off her plate, threw them away, not important. Super easy analysis of that 15, 20 minutes, right? Mm-hmm. Done. Forget it. Should I have so many thank you notes, throw them away. They're done. Let's not, let's take those monkeys off your shoulder from this point forward. If you want to write thank you notes, let's have a better strategy to do it, but let that go, right? Let it go. So two and a half years later, she now, I don't know the number of loans. I think she's closing something like 52 loans a month. Um, she now is funding over a hundred million dollars a year. She has a team. We help, I helped her onboarding. I helped her, you know, figure out who's the role that we're hiring for, not just to hire lead indicators, right. For when she would need someone and what that role looks like. And, um, you know, now she's in the top, she's not in the top 200, but she's very close. She's in the top 500 of loan officers. And you have to understand there's over 800,000 loan officers in the, in the country. So that's what, that's what we did for her and give, gave her that breathing room. Right. And the good thing is she's now working beyond as well, because she, um, has started buying investment properties. And so she's creating some passive income for herself so that everything doesn't have to be what she's doing. So that's her story. Um, then there's another guy, Nick. Um, everything he did was with himself and his partner. He refused to hire a team because no one could do it better than he could, right? For anything that they that they're doing, and he's a um, uh, um, what do they call that um, designer, right? An interior designer. So he's moving the furniture, and his partner's moving the furniture, and they're they're doing the bids, and they're doing the shopping, and whatever it is that they do, right? And he just refused to, he had other people, but he wouldn't let them be empowered. He was enabling them. Hadn't been on vacation for 12 years. Now, every time I reach out to him, I'm like, where are you now? (laughs) (laughs) And he's like, oh, we're spending a month in Italy. It's awesome. We're we're having a great time. And his business is running without him, you know, and that is, and he's still, do, he's doing the exact same volume. That's the thing. It's not that we wanted him to do. He wasn't in, we weren't focused on doing more volume. We were focused on how do I breathe? How do I get my life back? And, um, and that's where we're at. And so I'm sure that what we'll be doing next is taking him beyond he's above. Now we need to go beyond. Yeah. Nice. And loving all of that. And I love the story about Katie because 
or Kate, sorry, that I think so many people get into that routine where they ebb and tide in their productivity. And when they're, they're ebbing, then they're kind of second win at the sales. And when they're tiding, yes. they're second yeah. win at the marketing. And it just yeah. becomes this constant thing of, okay, the months where I only have four clients, you know, I, I have no, no money. I the ones market. where I have 15, it's like, well, I have no time. <laughs> I have so much stuff right. to do. I can't hire anybody. Right. And, and it's just so easy to get into that, whether somebody's, you know, Doesn't a lawyer, electrician, uh, anything. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't matter what you do. And I think that that's something that, you know, we have to, I mean, this gets back to one of the strategies I use, which is, you know, the core values is, you know, it's sort of the phone a friend thing. No decision is made in my practice without me seeking the advice of my core values, you know, and I'll say to people, what is a core value? And they say, ah, uh, family. And I, I don't know, is that a question or is that conviction? <laughs> Right. Because Clearly if not. family is a core is a core value for you, then why are you working till one o'clock at night all the time? Right. Mm -hmm. You have to learn to say no. You know, it's having the courage to say yes to yourself and mm -hmm. no to a client. And yes, you may lose that client, but you may gain a hundred others who love that you do that. Right. And if you could be just as good to your business as I mean, just as good to yourself as you are to your business, you'd have so much more pleasure in your life, you know, and this is, I think, one of the, the biggest challenges that, that, um, that we have is knowing when to say no and knowing, you know, what the priority is. And, you know, I said no to a speech, um, an, op an opportunity to speak at a, an event in Bali. I was so excited. because I was like, Oh, look at me, I'm going to Bali and I'm a woman and I'm, I'm traveling and I'm international. Right. And I realized that I'd have to be gone for three weeks. And I thought, well, if I'm over there, what's happening over here. Right. And I looked at family, my, for me, mean, mine are faith, family, and stability. So how does it affect my faith? Well, I happen to be Catholic and I happen to deliver communion to hospice people. And what happens when they're in hospice, they want to see the same person all the time. Could I get somebody else to go? Yes, I could. Okay. Strike one, two family. During that time, my daughter was getting married and we had scheduled to go look at wedding dresses. Could I change it? Yes, but strike two, right? Three, stability. If I'm over there, yes, I could make X amount of dollars. But when I come back, where there's going to be a lull in my business because I didn't do work while I was gone, right? And so that was inconsequential because I thought, you know, I can make up for it and that kind of stuff. But I ended up saying no because I had two against one. And during that three-week period, I was offered another speaking gig for twice the amount in the U.S. Nice. So trust your gut, trust your instinct. Don't move on everything. Make sure it makes sense. Don't say no to or say yes to someone to have a phone call at seven o'clock at night. If you promised that that was going to be date night, you know, it's learning to really create boundaries around yourself. And I promise you, people will respect that and they will see that and they'll know that you're present when you're present. You know, one of the lines I always use is, Hey, I just saw that you text me or you called me. I'm in the middle of something right now. Would it be okay if I called you today between three and five when I'm sitting in front of my computer and I can dedicate 100% of my time and attention to serving you instead of, I got to call, I got to call, I got to pick up the phone. I got to pick up the phone. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and I think too, to your point, when family is a value to somebody, 
it's not only the time that they're missing out with them, it's also the stress that they're bringing home with them. And, and to be able to look at the idea or notion of being able to delete a lot of stuff that we're doing in a day that isn't serving and supporting our values in, in the way that it could. Yeah. Well, it's about being present. It's about compartmentalizing everything that you're doing. You know, um, I'm not a believer in balance. If I, and the reason why is if you look at a scale and it's balanced, it's 50, 50, you're, you're kind of good here and you're kind of good there. And I always feel that I always, the story I always say is if I was standing on two boats in a Harbor and they're, they're moving cause they're never constant, never balanced. You know, they're both moving and I'm going, Oh, I want to pay attention to this. No, I need to pay attention to this. And oh, and now this one again, Oh my gosh, this one over here needs help. And then in the middle, I'm exhausted. Yeah. Pick a side, jump on, be present, take care of business, take care of personal jump off, get into another compartment and be present. And I promise you, people are going to see it because people know when you're not present, they can see it. They can sense it. They can see it. You're running around too much. You're like, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Answer the question. Next, next, next. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I love this butterfly, you know, or not even a butterfly, a little bumblebee going, you know, (laughs) nothing ever gets done. And somehow you've turned into a wasp that nobody runs you around. Right, right. <laughs> exactly. And notice as I'm talking, I talk very fast when I get into this topic because I want people to feel the angst that they're experiencing because it's time to stop it. Mm-hmm. It's just Which time to stop. Leads me to the question of what are some of the stumbling blocks that they have? And I know we've talked about a lot of them. Um but it really is, I think, that just that feeling of I have to go, I need to go. I need We're to beating up on ourselves and it's not like life's just not in flow. And when yeah. it's not in flow, they need you. Okay. So I'm going to talk about laundry. Okay. Okay. So <laughs> the dirty we have this phrase called, I have a laundry list, uh-huh. right? We have email that comes in and it looks like a laundry list. So if you're doing laundry and I, guys, if you're listening, you get it. I know you've done laundry yourself or your wife has you doing it. So if you go to the dryer, some people pull one thing out and fold it on the dryer. Some people put it in a basket and go someplace else and take one thing out and fold it. But what we do is we take things out. We look at it and we go, oh, you need to go into this pile. You are, you know, linens, you are um, socks or whatever, right? And we compartmentalize everything that we do. And then we take it and we put everything away. Most people, when we think of a laundry list, we think of email and the need to knee jerk and do everything for everybody all the time. It's akin to going to your laundry, pulling out a sock and running upstairs, opening up the drawer, putting one (laughs) sock in and coming back down pulling a shirt out and go, oh, this needs to go over here and running in there and hanging up the shirt and then coming back and then, go, oh, here's another shirt. I, I could have done that while I was there, but I didn't see it. So I'm just going to go back again. It is not efficient. People will say it's crazy. I could say this with grocery shopping. Why is everything in a bag? Why do they put you know, stuff for the fridge in one bag. And then even if they don't do it, we do that on our counter. We put everything together and we open up the fridge once we put everything in. We don't do it in our lives. So the stumbling blocks are receiving the intel that comes in and trying to take action. I'm like, will you sponsor this? Take a look at this cute little puppy. Did you get that thing? You know, uh, it, it just comes in and we don't compartmentalize it and prioritize it so that we can address it all at one time. And then when we address 
like-minded things at the same time, we can go through them faster, lots faster. Does that make sense? Um, absolutely. Does it's the best analogy now someone's I think gonna I've do ever heard. I like that. Going, oh my God, am I doing this? <laughs> yeah, my business. I'm going to be thinking, you know, if I answer one email and then leave it, it's like, yep, I'm just grabbing socks. I know our listeners are going to want more from you. How do they start their journey with you? Well, thank you very much. Yeah. I mean, the best thing is to text Jen, J-E-N to 26786 and you will receive the ebook of launch. Um, and then we'll just connect. We'll let you know when we have things going on. If you um, feel like you want to connect and what you've heard is something that's resonated for you, then uh, just email me at jen at jenduplessis.com. And I'm all over social media. So nice. Love that. So I have to ask you, at what point in life did you know that you were a special kind of crazy enough to think that you could become an entrepreneur? <laughs> uh, I've always always wanted to be an entrepreneur and always have been an entrepreneur. Uh, you know, I would say that it, it came in a time in my life where I was going to be a doctor. I was going to be a cardiologist. I was pre-med and I was in school and I just felt trapped. And my, my parents are entrepreneurs. My uncles are entrepreneurs. I'm one of 36 first cousins. A ton of us are entrepreneurs. And I said, this is not me. Me, I like people more than I like paper at the time, <laughs> right? I like connecting more than I like computers. So for me, I knew that I could not be confined um, to a job that would bore me to death. And that's what I love about entrepreneurship. It's full of challenges, but it's full of these beautiful um, opportunities and endless, endless opportunities, right? All the time. And uh, it's addicting. I think we're all addicted to it. We don't want just the same thing every day. Right? So it begs the question, what made you decide to go into MED? <laughs> that's a, a huge leap. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, I, I mean, I, my degrees in architecture and, and construction engineering. So I have that mind, you know, that system, I could be a pilot too. Cause I love, Clearly. Checklists. <laughs> you know, I love checklists. I love the detail that's in it. I loved, um, you know, medicine. I still, you know, love medicine. Um, but you know, I make four times as much as they do and I have a better life. <laughs> Well, you know, fair enough. We're, yeah. we're glad you made the change anyway. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. I love it. You've been absolutely fantastic, Jen. Thank you so much for your time. I appreciate it immensely. Well, I know how valuable you. it is. Well, thank welcome. you, Michelle. I really appreciated the opportunity. Nice. Any last words for our peeps? Yeah, I'm going to give you a quote. Yes. We flatter those we scarcely know. We please the fleeting guests, but we deal many a thoughtless blow to those we love our best including us. Oh, you're going to make me cry. That was so sweet. I know, but isn't that true? Look how yes, pleasant yes. we are with each other. And then we're going to hang up and I'm going to go yell at my husband because he's making noise in the kitchen. <laughs> he, he was fabulous, by we the way. So those we scarcely know. We please the fleeting guests, but we deal many a thoughtless blow to those we love the best and especially ourselves. Be good to yourself. And your support team. <laughs> and your team. Yeah, of course. <laughs> Always. They're your number one customer. Love it. Say one more time. They are your number one customer. Awesome. Peeps, this is Michelle Nedelec. Thank you for being here with us today. Be sure to subscribe to the show and join our Facebook group, Business Ownership Secrets to Scaling. We love connecting with you and helping you grow. 
Thank you for listening to 7 to 8. If you're interested in upping your speaking game, be sure to connect with our guests with the links in the show notes and connect with me to see how we can help you get your tech done for you and help your speaking dreams come true.